Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik. Britain's outsourcing sector is in trouble, with Interserve just the latest in a string of companies seeking financial restructuring to avert bankruptcy. Josh Noble discusses what's behind the problems in the sector with Jill Plimmer and Jonathan Ford. So Jill, tell us about Interserve. What exactly does it do and how did it get into so much trouble? Interserve is one of the biggest government contractors. It's bigger than Carillion, which collapsed last year in terms of the number of employees. It has 45,000 people in the UK. It does almost everything you can think of. It provides nursing in people's homes. It runs probation services build schools and hospitals, and it manages military bases. So like Carillion, it's a very big, sprawling business with divisions in the Middle East and abroad as well. And so what went wrong with this big, sprawling company? Like a lot of these companies, it was initially a construction company that moved into support services because it thought it would get steady revenue streams from the government in the wake of the financial crisis when the building industry was hit. And... It moved into areas where it really had no expertise, particularly in the past few years when it moved into energy from waste plants and also things like probation services, which turned out to be loss-making contracts. So today we've got the rescue plan that's been announced. What does it look like? How does it work and who's going to be hit by it? So essentially the rescue plan today would see the banks formally take control of InterServe. I mean, effectively, they were already in control of the company and would virtually wipe out shareholders. They'd be left with just over 2% of the equity, and which is upsetting some of the equity holders, including one of their biggest investors. I mean, is there optimism around the company that this will do the trick, that this rescue plan will enable them to keep going? There's certainly optimism from the company. It's not going to tell us anything else. But they do seem to be confident that they've won over banks to this deal and that it's a matter of time before it's signed off. But we don't know. We have to wait and see. We've seen this before. InterServe itself had another rescue plan launched in March last year. But in that case, the debt came at cripplingly high interest rates. So the investors in the company who aren't happy, who are they and what do they plan to do about it? Coltrane, which is a New York-based hedge fund that holds voting rights for about 27% of the shares and will have faced massive losses, has criticised the deal. It's calling for the board to be ousted and for an extraordinary general meeting to be held, which could look at a different plan. It accuses the company of rushing this agreement out in a panic at the expense of shareholders. Just turning to you, Jonathan, for people who follow the sector, this probably won't feel like a new story. We've seen it before. Just how widespread are these problems with this outsourcing sector? Well, I think there's been a dramatic loss of confidence, which sort of has been going for some years, but was given a massive boost when Carillion collapsed in complete disarray last year. And share prices have pretty much collapsed. 
you know, it looks very similar to the sort of situation during the financial crisis with the banks. We haven't seen such enormous falls. Interserve has obviously completely collapsed, but Serco, which is one of the government's largest contractors, is down about 80%. Mighty, Capita, a whole range of other companies are down very significantly. And this, obviously, this story won't help that uh, recovery to come any sooner. Does this suggest there's a big structural systemic problem with the entire business model of these companies? Well, I think a lot of them, I mean, I think it stems from what Jill said, a lot of them have expanded very quickly by acquisition in the last 10 years or so. A lot of that was done with debt, which was very cheap. And for a long time, banks thought, this is great, you know, we've got these government cash flows, so the business is very secure. And the shareholders thought this is great because we can leverage up these businesses and maximise our returns and dividends on the equity we put up. And then when Carillion collapsed, it rather exploded this whole thing because it depended on the notion that the government would always bail out its contractors. And although the government has shown a willingness to support contractors where it can, essentially it is unprepared or was unprepared in the case of Carillion to step in and essentially rescue the company. So now you have a situation where all this leverage is effectively unwinding because the banks, who are really into these things up to their neck, have found that there is no potential rescue and they need to force these businesses to deleverage as fast as they can. And what we're seeing is that actually that's very difficult because a lot of the contracts they struck were pretty poor and the cash flows aren't there. Do you think the government's doing the right thing by allowing these companies to sort of, well, leaving them to blow in the wind and not stepping in when they provide so many vital services across various sectors? Well, I think the government has probably taken the only rational choice. If you think about what we learned from the financial crisis, it was the idea that private investors take the profit in the good times and the taxpayer takes the hit in the bad times does not go down very well. These are not systemically important institutions like banks. They can be substituted for by government stepping in, which is what happened with Carillion. The government surprised the market by actually going on the front foot and simply taking a lot of the contracts away from Carillion. So there was nothing left for the banks to sell. And so they ended up taking substantial losses. I think this is like the normal operation of the market. If investors make the mistake that the government is going to bail them out, they cannot really go crying to anybody if the government, which never gave any commitment in the first place, says, well, actually, we would rather leave you to rescue these businesses if you can. And if not, we will simply take these activities back into the state. Seems to me that's an entirely rational way of disposing of this problem. I mean, these issues have also raised big questions about the whole notion of outsourcing government business to private companies. Do you think that the discussion has now changed and that actually some of these services will in future be brought back into the government and be done without the use of private companies? Or do you think this model is here to stay and it's just a kind of washout of a few bad years? I think that the first thing you'll see is you'll see, aside from any other you know, failures or whatever, which lead to things being handed back or contracts being handed back, what you will see is a more rational, probably a much more rational approach to bidding for contracts and a much more cautious approach because it will be harder to finance these businesses. Whether that means as a result that more of these activities will actually go back into the state because the government will look at them and say, we can't rationally justify paying this extra price when we can do this pretty much ourselves, (laughs) either at the same price or more cheaply, 
that's indeed a possible outcome. I think the thing that people are wrestling with is the question of whether there is any real secret IP or knowledge that these companies have, which mean that ultimately they can take on an enormous range of tasks and do them all more competitively than anyone else could do. And the jury there, I'm afraid, with all of this stuff is uh, still very much out. All of these problems that we've been talking about, say, Carillion Interserve, they're all very UK-specific issues. I mean, are there any lessons from abroad? Have these things happened elsewhere? Or are these very much a legacy of British government policy over the last 10 years? The British government has always led on this policy. It's been one of the biggest believers in transferring services to the private sector. And although other countries like Australia and New Zealand have followed, it's definitely been in the vanguard I think, you know, there are reverberations around the world. Other countries are also looking at their outsourcing policies. And in Britain, I think you can see local authorities increasingly taking services back in-house. So is this a pattern that we may see elsewhere, what's happening in the UK? Do you think it will happen in Australia and New Zealand as that cycle moves across there as well? It's very hard to tell, and it depends on the government at the time but certainly the Labour opposition has proposed taking contracts back in house here and that would be likely to be followed in New Zealand That was Josh Noble talking to Jill Plimmer, Infrastructure Correspondent and Jonathan Ford City Editor. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.